0: This chapter will deal with the promulgation, the announcement of when Kiddushah Chodesh was made and how this affects the Hagim. Now, I just want to make one slight clarification from the last chapter. Although, uh, in the last chapter, we, we, we explained that, for example, if there is not enough time on the day, to do Kiddusha Chodesh, then the Beddin has no, even if they took the testimony, they have no, and the testimony was correct and the moon had been seen, they have no uh, option but to let the month be Me'ubar and let that day be the 30th and then um, uh, treat it as a 30th day. That doesn't mean that the next day is the first day of the next month. The next day was not Kadosh, it didn't become Rosh Chodesh. In terms of uh, that first day becoming Kadosh and that day becoming a day in which we bring Korban Musaf, but the Hagim and everything else will follow from the day on which the moon was seen. So, if the next day after the Beddin has accepted the testimony, that, that, so let's say that the witnesses come at the end of Monday and they say that Sunday night, the night between the 29th and the 30th, they saw the moon. Everything is right. They check out, but there is not enough time on the th- on, on on Monday, on of daylight for the Beddin to declare Mekudash, So they have no choice but to leave that day to let that day pass, and they reconvene in the morning of the next day. So we missed out on all the Korbanot of Rosh Chodesh, but the morning of the of the thirtieth. The, uh, of the 31st, sorry, rather, they'll declare that the 30th really was a first day, and today is a second day, and all the Mu'adim follow from that declaration. So I just want to make that clarification because it's going to become important in this chapter. Halacha <laughs> Aleph. Adim she raoet hahodesh, im haya benahem u v'makom sheyishpo v'din mahalach, layla v'yom hapachot, alchimu ma'adim, v'im haya benahem yater al ken lo yalichu shen adutan achar yom seloshim mu'aylet shekivar mit aaber hahodesh. If the witnesses that saw the the, the moon, they live um, less than a day and a night away from Yerushalayim, in other words, they can make it before the end of the 30th day and give their testimony, then that's fine, they should go. Otherwise, they shouldn't waste their efforts and time because by the time they get there, the the, the month will have become me'ubar. Halakhabet. If the witnesses saw the, the 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 moon, they should go and they should even violate Shabbat, which is not a violation really, but even if it's on Shabbat, they should go to the beddin, they should travel on Shabbat, because the Torah says, you should declare these days on their time. Whenever the Torah uses the word Moed on its time, it's something that would be enough to, uh, to to take precedence over the prohibitions of Shabbat. Many korbanot have that word as well, and that's uh, that's what happens on, on, on korbanot. By the way, it's not a rule that we should take for ourselves and every time we find mo'ayyad we should do hilul Shabbat. It's rather a rule Chachamim had, which they would use, and they have used, to tell us certain specific cases in which Shabbat is nidheh. Therefore, given accordingly, the only two months for which someone should do Hilul Shabbat and make their way to the Beit HaMikdash to give a testimony is to give a testimony over the beginning of the month of Tishri and over the beginning of the month of Nisan because we have the two major holidays in those months, Pesach and Sukkot, for uh, for which the Torah said Moed. وبيز مان شבת המקדש קים מחללים על כולם מופנה קורבן מוסף שבראש חודש ודוחה דוחית השבת however if the bet mikdash were there then we we do we do hilul shabat for any month not only Nissan Tishri because each and every month has uh, the korban musaf uh, that that uh, about which it's also said olat hodash mehodsho and uh, it should be enough to do hilul shabbat for it halachah gimel We mentioned in the last chapter that if the two witnesses don't have an established reputation of being reliable witnesses, then they should bring with them two other ones to testify about the reputation. Those two can also do Hilul Shabbat when they are accompanying the two that are coming to give a testimony for which you can do Hilul Shabbat. Even if uh, they only found one person who was willing or was able to testify about the reputation to come with them, so there are three, it, it's still they should still all three of them go and do Hilushabad because they may still find a fourth one, a second one that's going to testify about their their reliability. And that's enough to do Hilul Shabbat. Halacha <laughs> Daled. Haya Ayt she Ra'it haKodesh b'Leil haShabbat Markivim oto al hamor v'afilu b'amita. If the witness that saw the the moon is sick or weak, then it should even be transport. It could even be transported on a donkey or even carried by people on a mita. A mita is a a the the donkey is the rabbanan and the mitah is the Ureita who says amir And if they are scared that there may be some some uh, <clears throat> um, enemies or some threats, human threats on the way, they could take weapons with them. And if it, the, the if it was a a, a distant journey. They should also take with them food for the for the journey. And even if they saw a very clear sighting of the moon, and it's pretty clear that more people will have seen it. So why should Aidu Khir Shabbat, if someone next to Yerushalayim who doesn't eat Wahirul do Shabbat, probably saw it as well? They shouldn't say that that other people could have seen it. Rather, any person who has seen the moon and is worthy, is fit for rendering testimony and lives or is less than a day and a night away from the place in which the testimony is rendered, he must, is has a misva, to go there and try to give his testimony, regardless of whether or not it's likely that other people are there giving the same testimony at the same time. hit Now a little bit of a historical halakha uh, very interesting. Barishona, kol Yom Shiloshim, At first, the beddin they started by accepting testimony all through the 30th day, and even if the last second of the 30th day that the witnesses came and rendered their, ter- their testimony, the Bedin, they, they, they will accept them and they would dec- declare that day to have been Rosh arba'im. It happened once that the Idim really came at the very last minute. Ben Arbaim is after the Minha, between the and and the Minha. And it was a problem because in Beit HaMikdash, the Kohanim didn't know which korbanot to bring. If it's Rosh Chodesh, you have a set of korbanot. If it's not Rosh Chodesh, you have a different set of korbanot. They didn't know if to bring the, the korban of Ben Arba'im, which is, by the way, the basis for what we do today as Minha. Because once you bring that Korban, you can no longer bring the Musaf of Rosh Chodesh. So they they were holding off on bringing Tamit ben Arbaim to see if perhaps they had to bring Korban of Musaf of Rosh Chodesh. Amdu Bet-Din When that happened, the Beddin decided, they realized that this is potential for trouble. So they said, Chodesh adam They declared that if anyone wants to give a testimony over over Rosh Chodesh, they have to come before Minha, before uh, which which is uh, which is two and a half uh, solar hours before sunset. <speaking in Hebrew> so that there is enough time in those two and a half hours for the Kohanim, if the day was indeed declared Rosh Chodesh, to do then the Musaf and then have enough time for Tamid Shrebena Arbaim and their Nesachim that come with them. if the minha came and the Aydin did not come, then they, they should bring, the Kohanim should bring the Tamid Shrebena Arbaim as if it were a regular day, and treat the next day, the following day, as Rosh Chodesh, uh, even though the, the the first day was also was also Kodesh. So in other words, you have two days of Rosh Chodesh, the Korbanot are brought on the second day, and the testimony is accepted on the second day, but really declaring that yesterday was the first day of the month. Um, now, this was all the concern while we were bringing the Kribanot. What happened after the Bet is destroyed? Rabban Yochanan Mezakai, Mezakai and his Bedin, they, they really tried to adapt Yahadut to the new reality of Galut, and they did many, many, many reforms. One of the things they did is to try to adapt to the post-Bet HaMikdash situation, and they said, well, we no longer have this concern, so let's go back to accepting a Deen. Uh, all day long. Even if they come towards the end of the day, we accept their testimony. And we only declare the 30th day to have been Rosh Chodesh. We don't have uh, to do it, to resort to doing the second day, the day after Rosh Chodesh, even though the Kiddush was with respect to yesterday, like they used to do with with Beit HaMikdash. Now, how do you signify the ibura Chodesh? How do you signify the fact that there was no Rosh Chodesh, that there was no um, sighting accepted of the moon that would have made the 30th day be the first day of the next month? So this is an important halacha because, as you'll notice, if there is ibur, if the, the month, the 30th day, is just deemed to be a non-Rosh Chodesh day, it, there is nothing special, there is nothing special about about uh, the, uh, that, that day in terms of Kiddush. There is no declaration, there is no uh, act that needs to be done in order to make that day special. It automatically becomes, by virtue of the fact that the prior day was not Rosh Chodesh. But you'd still do something, the Beddins still used to do something to celebrate the fact that that day was... Had some significance. In the times of Etamikdash, that's the day on which you'd bring the Korbanot. Uh, in in uh, every time, this is the day from which you'd count uh, the, the days of the month for the Muadot. When the Beddin have no choice but to treat a day as for lack of edim. So they'd go to a special place and they'd make a se'odah, a banquet, a feast on the 31st day, to signify that that is Rosh Hodesh. There is no declaration. This has no legal validity. It's just symbolic. And they don't start going to that place at night but rather, they do so right before dawn, Baneshef, before the sun rises. They need to have minyan for this sauda. And they have to bring their bread, either of the five grains or of any other grain that's not one of the five grains, that's called kitnit, like let's say uh, rice crackers. And they should wait to eat until the fourth hour, which is the time at which uh, most people normally ate their their, uh, their first meal of the day. Back in the day, they only in, in antiquity, they only had two meals a day. One was had between the fourth and the sixth hour, and the other one was had right before you lose the light of the sun, right before you lose sunlight. By the way, this means that there is a spread of about six hours between one and the other, which is the time we wait between meat and milk. The Zohi, Sa'udat Aibura Chodesh Hamura Bechol And this is what, whenever you find in the Gemara that they refer to the Sa'udat Misva, the seudah the, of the Misva, of the Aibura Chodesh, of the, the, let's call it the pregnancy of the month, the, the the extension of the month. So that's what this is referring to, it's referring to the seudah so they would have on the day that was not declared, the day after the day that was not declared Rosh Chodesh. Halakha Now, some more historical facts about practical implications of all of our enemies that were trying to destroy the system of Rosh Chodesh and how we adapted to them. At first, whenever they would do Kidusha Hodesh, they would they would um light very large fireplaces, very, very large uh sources of, of uh of light in order and, and they would probably have it like on one mountain and then when when you light yours. The next mountain lies the next one and so on and so forth. So you would see all over Israel all of these lights, all of these mountains lighting up one after the other and you'd know that that means that the Hodesh was was uh, was declared. Now all it takes is for one fake, one faker, for one mountain to uh, deliberately try to, to, to ruin that system by lighting uh, that that fire, whether or not the month was declared, to trigger this chain reaction of everyone else lighting the same fire and then everyone thinking that Rosh Chodesh was done. The Kutim were the ones who started doing that and they started trying to mess up the system. That they would just light fireplaces, whether or not it was Rosh Chodesh in order to mislead the people. They decided, they decreed, they established that they would actually send out emissaries, writing out and and letting people know, in fact, what had happened. But these kind of emissaries, they don't have the authority. They are not authorized to to do chilul tov or shabbat. Ella, le Bilvad, because we we do Hilul Shabbat uh, not, not to 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 fulfill the Rosh Chodesh, the implications of Rosh Chodesh. In other words, not, not for the for the announcement, but only for the declaration, for the Kiddusha Chodesh. For that we do Hilul Shabbat. We don't do Hilul Shabbat after the was Kiddusha Chodesh, in order to let the world know that uh, there has been Rosh Chodesh. There were six months for which they'd send emissaries. They wouldn't send for all 12 months. Al Nisan, Mipenei because of Pesach, Al Av, Ta'anit, Av, so people know when is Tisha'a Ve'av, Ve'al Elul, for Elul they would do it so people know when to expect Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah now was two days regardless, as we are going to see later. So all you needed to know was when to start counting from Elul. And then you'll treat the 30th day of Elul and the 31st day from that Rosh Chodesh, both days as Rosh Hashanah. And then 10 days after that, uh, you'd have have Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah were not a problem. The only problem is Pesach. Sorry, I I, I I take that back. I'm sorry. Uh, scratch this last sentence. So, why would they send an emissary for Elul? Because if they know, if you know when the thirtieth day from Rosh Hashanah Elul is, then you're expecting, you're waiting, you're anticipating, and becoming ready for potentially doing Rosh Hashanah that day. But maybe you'll do it the next day. They used to at first do it only one day, not two days. That was a mistake. We're going to see later very explicitly when one day became two days. If they end up finding out that the 30th day of Elul became Rosh Chodesh, then they only do that day, Rosh Hashanah. If they don't know one way or the other, that's when they do two days. So it's either one day or two days. It's never only the second day. It's either the 30th and the 31st or only the 30th until they know for a fact when Ishrei have time to arrive to wherever they are coming. V'al Tishrei why do they send them on Tishrim? So people know when exactly to do their mo'adot. Ve'al kislev, chanukah. Ve'al adar, Purim. mikdash kiyam, yose'im al i'yar, Pesach katan. If the Betta Hamikdash was there, they would also come on i'yar because people needed to know when to do Pesach sheni, when for someone who had been Tameh, the first Pesach, then i'yar becomes as important as Nisan. <coughs> By the way, it's a it's an interesting it's a curious fact because Pesach Shani, you would need to do it in Yerushalayim, so um, you know once you get there uh, you'll know whether they had made it or not once you get to Yerushalayim. Um, but maybe it's relevant for planning your trip and trying to time yourself so that you get to Yerushalayim on the right day. The the people who are sent for Nitzan and Tishri, they only leave on the day of Rosh Chodesh, after its daylight, after they've heard the actual declaration. In other words, even though they were there the night before, they saw that there were lines and lines and lines of witnesses, and it was almost for certain that they would do Kiddusha Hodesh, they still are not authorized to get out. They have to actually wait for the words Mekudash to start writing and getting to those places. However, only in an instance in which the Beddin did the Kidusha Hodesh, they eve off when they themselves saw it. And there was still time of daylight during the day of the 29th, and they decided to say Mekudash. For the next day, as we explained in Perek Bet al then the shiluchim yoseim mi ba'erev, the shiluchim, are allowed to leave at night and let everyone know when the Kiddush HaKodesh is. the shiluchim of the other six months for which people leave, yesh lahem laseim mi if they know that it's pretty likely that there is going to be Kiddush because they see that the moon was seen, the see people saw it, then they don't have to wait for the actual declaration, they can leave before that at night. Even if the declaration hasn't been in fact done, since that they saw the moon, and it's pretty certain that it's going to happen the next day, that's enough for them to leave. Every place to which the the Bed-Din's emissaries had time to arrive, they would do the Yom Tov only once, exactly as the Torah describes it. Uh, Just an asterisk to add here. From here, from here, I think that doing two days of Yom Tov like we do in Husla Ares is equivalent or it should bring us a feeling of something not being right, of doing things not, not like the Torah says it. It's very it's very interesting. It's very obvious. You go to the Bet Knesset, you read Uba uh, Hamisha Sar Yom on the 15th day and yet it's a 16th day, right? So something is wrong. So I think that one of the reasons Hamim decided to leave intact the practice of doing two days of Yom Tov in Husla Ares, even after the calendar was set and there was no reason for it anymore, was because one of the benefits of having two days in Husla Ares is to make us realize, hey, something is off, something is wrong. I'm reading the 15th day in the Torah and yet I'm doing two days. Maybe this is not my place. Maybe this is not the right place at which to fulfill the holidays. So I think that this was one of the reasons for which we have two days, and I take it from these words here, that doing it one day is doing it the way the Torah says it. In other places that were far, they would do two days because they wouldn't know what, what day was the one that the Bed Din declared to be. Some places, they were exactly uh, 14 days away, let's say, so they had time for שלוחי ניסן to get there, but שלוחי did not have time to get there because שלוחי תשרי have uh, one day less to get there it should be that they should do Pesach one day, because for Pesach they have the the, the emissaries, they know when Pesach is, even when they don't know when Sukkot is. So some places, again, they should, following this rationale, this mechanism, they should perhaps do only one day of Pesach, but two days of Sukkot, because they have a sefek for Sukkot, but they have no sefek for Pesach. However, <inaudible> did not want the holidays to be different one from the other. So in order to not make such distinctions, itkino hachamim, shekol makom sheen tishri magiain lo, he declared, that anywhere that the sheluhim <inaudible> of tishri cannot arrive to, anywhere that's more than 13 or 14 days far from Yerushalayim, one should do two days of Yom Tov even on Shavuot. Now pay attention, Shavuot should never be a safek. Shavuot should never be a safek. not for people who live 15 days away, nor for people who live a month and a half away. Why is that? Because Shavuot is merely 49 days, the 50th day following the first day of Pesach. So if you know, if you have 50 days, or really you have uh, 65 days to find out when Shavuot should be. All you need to know is when Rosh Chodesh Nisan was and count from Rosh Chodesh Nisan 65 days. But even on Shavuot, because HaChamim wanted for it to be uniform across all Hagim, they said, if you are doing... Uh, Double Sukkot, you do double everything. <laughs> How much is there a difference between Nisan and, uh, and Tishri? There is only two days of a difference. So we are talking about places that are two days farther than others. Why? Because in Tishri you have two extra days on which the Shilohim do not ride. And those are uh, Yom Kippur and the day of Rosh Hashanah. What you don't have in Nisan, where all 14 days preceding the holiday are days in which a Shaliyah can come, can travel. Sorry, not all 14, taking out Shabbatot, of course. Sheluhim don't need to be two like witnesses, even one is enough. And it doesn't even need to be a professional, an emissary, someone sent specifically by the Bedin, but even a traveler, someone who travels from travels from place to place to sell his chattels as a tagar, if he comes from Yerushalayim and he says, guys, I heard that they declared Rosh Chodesh, that is enough for us, even if it's one witness, even if it's not an emissary, it's not about Shalihot here, and it's not about Idut. I mean, it is about Eidut, but it's a different kind of Eidut. What kind of Eidut is it? <speaking in Hebrew> because this is an Eidut, it's, it's a testimony on something that is eventually going to be known We have a rule that something that is eventually going to become known and that all the witness is doing is not letting us know what in fact happened, but they are just accelerating that knowledge to us by a little bit, then any one person is sufficient for uh, being Eid for this. Um, In some instances, this davar he'asui galot goes even further and even someone who is not the aid kasher is able to give such a testimony. But here we require, for some reason, I don't know why exactly, we require an kasher. One ayat, but the ait hat kasher it needs to be kasher. Cannot be a woman, cannot be a child, etc. Now we go back to my introduction before this chapter, sometimes the Rosh Hodesh can be declared retroactively. If the testimony was on that day, the testimony was about what happened the night preceding or the morning of the 30th of the month, making that day Rosh Hodesh. even if the Bedin did the little ceremony that they went to that place, they had their sa'uda, it doesn't mean they can later not go back and declare that this has been Rosh Chodesh. The session wasn't open to accept I'dem, so this made it less likely. But in theory, and we'll see that this is mostly in theory, they try very hard not to make it happen, but in theory they could do that, they could declare the Rosh Chodesh to have happened before. <laughs> that they failed to have a testimony on the 30th day of Rosh Chodesh. Then uh, in in before uh, midnight before the breaking of the next day, they went to their little place and they had their se'uda to signify the Ibura Chodesh. And after four or five days, some witnesses came from a faraway place and they said that they give a testimony that they saw the Rosh Chodesh on the, the, the 30th day or the night of the 30th. By the way, this wouldn't normally happen because the instruction is you should not go unless you have less than a day and a night of travel. But let's say someone came anyways. That's what we are talking about. Even if they come at the end of the month and they say, hey, you know what? 29 days ago, we witnessed the moon. And then And they they tell them exactly how they saw the moon. So what do you do? The Beddin are supposed to try to intimidate these witnesses. They try to confuse them so they mess up their testimony. They scrutinize them in a very heavy way. And they try to match every single detail one said with the detail someone else said, the other one said. And they try, they put an effort so that this month does not become מקודש. once it's became it's become known to everyone that this month was Zain. However, if the witnesses remain steadfast on their testimony, it was a true testimony. It matched one to the other. And it it matched also the astronomical calculations that Baddin knew about. And these are uh, people who are uh, re- reputable people and 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 smart people the, the two witnesses. And they did all the scru- scrutiny, they scrutinize this as much as they could, and everything checked out. They now recount the entire month starting from the 30th day of the prior month being the first day of the month, given that the moon was seen on its time. However, if for some reason, after accepting the testimony, so first they try to not accept it. Let's say they tried everything and they they, they must accept it. After accepting this testimony, the Beddin still have a very strong reason to not declare it mekudash. <laughs> As the situation was before these two witnesses came about, the Beddin is allowed to refrain from doing the Kiddush HaKodesh even after accepting the testimony. The and that's what the saying by Hachamim is. It's permissible, the Bedin is entitled to cause about a Buddha Hodesh for necessity, because it's necessary. It's become necessary. For example, everyone already did Pesach. Are you going to tell people they did it on the wrong day? However, some of the greatest sages argues on this point and says And he says that um, uh, this great chachamim they say no, actually, it's not proper the Bedin, one, if they accept the testimony that's it, they accepted it then there is no going back now they are bound to declaring it MeKudash even if it becomes necessary otherwise. Says Harambam, one of the few places, but very noteworthy places where he says that this is not something for which he has a source, everything else he has a source. It seems to me, says Harambam, that all the machloket that we have on whether you declare the month or not is in the months of Nissan and Tishri, where the need to not declare a month is a very practical need because people have already uh, made plans or even commemorated the holidays on a certain date. <laughs> because if they came in Nisan and Tishri after the holidays, what's done is done. The Avarze already korbanot and the ma'adot, and the korbanot and the Moadot already passed. There is no going back with a time machine to redo everything on a different day. However, says the Rambam, I believe that if the aiddim came in Isan and Tishri before the fifteenth of the month, mekabelin we do accept them. And we don't try to dissuade them from giving their testimony. Because it wouldn't be appropriate. As a rule, we should never discourage a deen that came to give a testimony over a month that was seen on the right date. So this could become a very bizarre situation in which people are redoing. Or, or really recalculating when uh, uh, Sukkot and Nisan would be. So, again, ju- ju- just to clarify, if you accept these late witnesses, that pushes everything one day forward. Sukkot and Pesach is going to be one day earlier. chapter. We are allowed, however, says that I'm bound to dissuade and try to intimidate witnesses. That we have some reason to suspect that their testimony is not is not is not uh, very factual, it's not accurate. So if if uh, the, the bedin sort of suspects that it's more likely than not that this testimony is not going to stand scrutiny then we try to dissuade them from giving this testimony uh, in order so that uh, we, we have Rosh Chodesh on the right day. So too, we we another another case in which we do intimidate witnesses is if we have and by intimidation I'm not saying anything has violent am just talking about uh, the bedin uh, really asking very uh, tough questions and and, and tr- trying to show them that they are not going to get out easy with a testimony unless it's really 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 accurate and they can base it and they can they can uh, uh, base it upon facts and and very precise knowledge so if the edim came. Even before the month was declared, but their testimony was accepted, and then two other edim come to Hazama to say that these first two witnesses could not have been where they said they witnessed what they witnessed. That's edim zomemim. Then we try to dissuade the latter, the latter pair of witnesses from invalidating the first pair, so that we can remain with the kiddush Hodesh uh, on its time. And all of this is qualified by the very first rule we said that the Bed-Din always kind of knew, not kind of, always knew when Rosh Chodesh should have been. They did the calculations beforehand. And all of this is more of a ritual part uh, that serves as a basis for the Kiddush. But, you know, the Bed-Din could know pretty well, uh, even before anyone came, whether someone coming today was going to be true or not true. Baruch Adonai l'ulam. amen olam Amen